He happens to be 14 years old. I don't know if he wants me to say that or not, but um, he's really awesome. He's he lives in Alabama. He's a huge NASCAR fan. We met last year at Bristol Motor Speedway. Really cool dude. Really talented. So he's given me permission to let me use um, one of his songs, which uh, you can find on his SoundCloud. E N S H R O W D is his uh, how you spell his name. But um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I feel like kind of good, you know, the this podcast is now on iTunes, it's now on, on the Google Play store, so um, it's sounding a little bit more professional each time, I'm still working on the, the audio and all that stuff, for those of you who have given feedback on that, uh, I really appreciate it. This is sort of a special episode of the podcast, because this is not a NASCAR related podcast, this is sort of a more personal edition, just to set the scene for you, I'm sitting in what they call a casita, which is a little house, literally a little house, um, in somebody's backyard in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's an Airbnb rental that my wife, Sarah, is renting for four months while she does an internship at the University of New Mexico Children's Hospital um, in Albuquerque. And she reluctantly agreed to come on the podcast. I don't know, you know, if, if you're listening to this, you probably know that um, the primary reason I left USA Today was because we need some flexibility to move around the country when Sarah's done with this internship. Um, she's going to get a real job, hopefully, sometime in um, the early summer, midsummer, late summer, whenever she can get it. So she's agreed to, to come on the podcast today with me. She's already trying to not to laugh. Sarah... Um, thanks for being here. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you said this. It's not my thing. Okay, you'll warm up. You'll warm up. It's fine. Okay. So, um, no, they can't hear you unless you speak into the mic. So, unless <laughs> unless the mic's pointed over there, just don't even bother. Okay, okay, I've got it. Okay, you got it. She's never been on a podcast before or done any sort of interviews. So, this is uh, sort of awkward for Sarah. But, um, you know, let's just start out. Why don't you explain to people um, what exactly you're doing out here? You know, people say, so wait, what's she doing? What's she going for? And I try to explain to people the the job that you're trying to do, what a child life specialist is, but perhaps you can say it in better terms than, than I can. So what what does a child life specialist do exactly? Child life specialists work with children and their families who are in the hospital to help them cope with hospitalization and whatever whatever illnesses that they may have and just to try to help their the hospitalization stay uh, go as best as possible. My understanding is, so let's say that um, there's a kid that is getting chemo and the nurses come in and they, you know, plug the kid up to the chemo machine, whatever, I'm not, I don't know the medical terms, but then they kind of leave because they have other things to do. So a child life specialist like yourself would come in and do what with the with the child? 
So if the child has never had chemo before, a child life specialist will work with them with medical play to help clear up any miscommunications that the child might have. Um, and then while they're getting chemo, they could provide activities for the child and things like that just to help it to make things easier for them. Okay. So one thing that I often wonder, and you know, I've asked you many times and you always give the same answer, but I don't know how you could do this for a career. I mean, it's very nice to want to help sick children in the hospital, but I've only really, I guess, been in children's hospitals twice tagging along with visits that drivers are making. I did one with Dale Jr. last year in Columbus, and I just leave there feeling just so sort of over overwhelmingly sad, I guess. And, you know, you and, and that was seeing like the best children who were able, you know, healthy enough to interact at least with drivers and stuff like that. You're seeing kids and, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, pass away and, and things like that, which is got to be really difficult. Why why do you want to do this for a career? Like, or how are you going to do this for a career? You know what I mean? Yeah, so as you know, while I was doing my practicum at CS Mott Children's Hospital in Ann Arbor, there were lots of days where you came and picked me up at the hospital, and I walked out of the hospital and was, like, crying and all upset. Um, but in the moment when I'm helping the kids, you kind of just put your emotions aside and focus on helping them and getting, you know, making the things easier for them. So I'm fine, and then it's afterwards when I, like, could kind of, like, debrief about it, and that's when it's sad. Um, but you really, you know, when you leave the hospital, you can't really take work home with you, so to speak. Um, otherwise, you'll just be depressed and sad all the time. Um, and then you just kind of go to the next day and just do it again and focus on helping the next patient or family who needs your help. But one thing I don't really understand about all of this is like, for I mean, for those who don't know, Sarah, Sarah I feel like you were one of the biggest staffs I've ever met. <laughs> I mean, seriously. That's true. That's fair to say. Okay, but so. I cried at the movie last night that we watched. We, Sarah will cry at like TV commercials. I mean, anything. You know what I mean? And it doesn't take much for her to like tear up over something and get get emotional. So you would think that you would just be a total wreck working at a children's hospital and working with kids who, I mean, it's just really sad situations. So I just don't understand how you can, how are you, how are you keeping it together when you're at the hospital all day? Well, I am a big sap, so that's never going to change. But um, again, like, I feel like when I'm working with the kids, you're just, you're very focused on helping it, helping them and, you know, if you're dealing with a family whose child is literally laying there dying, um, sounds depressing, but that's how it is. Like, it's not your job to, like, stand there and, like, weep with the family. Like, I can't stand there and start, like, bawling my eyes out because that's just not going to make anything better. So you're just really focused on helping them and not making things worse for them. And then, you know, when everything's over and the day goes on, then I will go into my office or whatever, the bathroom at the hospital, and, like, cry a little bit. But then I just suck it up and go on to the next patient. That sounds tough. Well, 
um, kudos to you for doing that. You're, you're, you have a much more noble job than I have watching cars go around in circles. And so um, I'm, I'm glad that you're going to be able to, um, to help people. So anyway, how are you liking Albuquerque so far? You know, we're in this little casita, which is, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's probably the size of like some driver's walk-in closets, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's small, but it's nice. I have my own space. Um, the lady who owns the place is here if I need her. But, you know, when I come home from the hospital, it's nice to just be by myself or with you if you're here. <laughs> but... Um, I don't have to worry about, like, socializing with anybody or, like, you know, whatever. But it's nice, though. I like it. It's homey. And what do you think of Albuquerque in general? I'm, I've am i been kind of impressed with Albuquerque. Like, it seems sort of funky, quirky. They have lots of local places. It's, like, classic, it, it, but it's it's not run down and crappy, but they've, they've like, made it have some sort of a, a retro feel in some ways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so not to diss Albuquerque, but when I found out that I got the internship here, I was kind of like, okay, and I'll be out in the middle of, like, nowhere. But, like, I really like it here. There's actually a lot of stuff to do. There's mountains pretty much everywhere I look. And there's, like, thousands of good restaurants that have, that's Mexican food. And that's nice. And I love their green chili sauce on everything. Seriously, everything. It's like like they, you drive and they have McDonald's advertisements and it's like, try our green chili burger. And um, I feel like it's like literally everywhere. Every restaurant you go into, they ask you what kind of chili you want. We, we got confused the first time. What did they tell what happened at the, at the one, uh, the range restaurant? Oh, so the guy asked if I wanted green chili sauce or red chili sauce or Christmas um, and since I never heard of it before I was like what what and then I was like I, I just want green chili sauce and then he walked away and then I said to you I was like oh he probably means like the red and green mix right he was like alright yeah uh, hey how you doing today you know what do you want and she's like burrito and he's like okay green red or Christmas and we're like what we thought it was like some holiday promotion or something <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess we're a little bit slow or something, but we figured it out. I I figured it out after he walked away. I was just like thrown off because I I never heard of it before. So when he just said, I just heard him say Christmas because I was only like half paying attention. So I was like, what? He just said Christmas. So so we recently came back from an experience where you didn't enjoy the food very much. Um, it was a great experience, but um, it wasn't the best. Uh, it was it was a little bit difficult with the food. We were in China for a trip, and um, I, I was wondering if we could talk a little bit, bit about that and what your impressions were. And you know, it's not like you're that picky of an eater, but it's just so hard there to try to figure out what you're eating, and it's not like the traditional Chinese food. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we got there, and I thought there was going to be. Orange chicken, sesame chicken, and I was going to be fine. And then I quickly realized that that basically doesn't exist over there. So. Yeah, it's like pig knuckles, duck neck. I mean, not it's not the, what we think of a Chinese food at all. Like, not even close. Yeah. So, in my defense, I did try certain things, but 
I just didn't like it. I ate a lot of rice. And a lot of rice. Everywhere we went, you're like, do you, do you have rice or motioning to the rice or whatever? Yeah, that's true. So, but what was nice is at the hotel, they had um, breakfast in the morning, which I refer to like they had normal food. So I basically would load up on that in the morning and then just pretty much starve myself throughout the day until we got back to the hotel at night to have dinner with, again, what I refer to as normal food. So we learned a lot about the customs there. And they have some very unusual custom customs. Um, one, you really noticed this, and I, I was sort of slow on it and didn't realize what it was. We were walking around one day, and you said, look at that baby's pants. Like, there's no butt. There's no crotch in the pants at all. Like, And I was like, oh, they're, like, made that way. That's weird. And then when we got back to the hotel, I Googled it, and apparently it's, like, the thing there that, they do to save money on diapers like their kid will literally just you know take a dump on the street yeah like here <laughs> like a dog like oh we'll clean it up after him if he if he takes a dump on the sidewalk or just go in the planter uh <laughs> it's just like yeah it was pretty bizarre one thing that i didn't understand was the babies that were wearing them weren't even a year old so if they're not potty trained i mean yeah, you would think there would be a lot of accidents. Yeah, there's like poop on their mom's arm or something, but I don't know. Apparently, they potty train kids there a lot sooner than they do over here in the United States, which I don't know how they do that. But Just if you don't know what we're talking about. Um, Google baby, baby butt pants. Yeah, Google baby butt pants. And and click on the images part, and you'll see like a lot of what we're talking about. Or maybe baby butt pants China. Another custom that we we still are talking about and we sort of laugh about is, I think it was the first day we were walking and you and I were just having a conversation about something and like this dude just goes, or whatever. It was, it was way louder than that. You could hear him from like a mile away. Just And he like just hawked this huge loogie and we're like, okay then, wow, that was funny. And we just thought that was like this one guy. And then, no, it was happening a lot, right? Yeah, it was just like every everyone is so loud, and I'd go into the bathroom, and girls would be doing it. I mean, I can't even, Im I mean, I tried imitating it once when we were there, because I thought it was so funny, and I couldn't even halfway make the sound that they were making when they were doing it, so. Yeah, women, too, just like hawking loogies right in the street or whatever, loudly, like not even, no, yeah. And then the other thing is like, along the same lines, if they sneeze, or if they cough, nothing, right? Like, they don't even look away. Yeah, it's super gross. So, like, we would be on the subway, and, you know, every, there's just people everywhere. There's, like, no personal space at all. And a guy or, you know, whatever will just stand there and just sneeze and, like, not cover his mouth, not put his head in his shoulder. He'll just sneeze, like, into everyone. And I don't know. It's just kind of disgusting to me, but... I guess that's their thing. <laughs> Good thing we were wearing masks a lot of time for the pollution, so I guess it filtered out the germs too. One of the funny moments that we had, I guess, we were we were in Macau for the day. Macau is sort of like the Vegas of Asia. They have a Venetian, they have um, an MGM, all sorts of similar um, casinos. 
and we were walking around this mall in Macau, and um, there was like this crowd gathered, and they were all staring at this young-looking woman who was surrounded by handlers, and they were all taking pictures of her, and we were speculating on on what happened, and um, well, tell tell them what happened, I guess. So we were all standing there. And we knew, like, someone famous had to be around because, like, everyone was freaking out. There were all these security guards and all these girls taking pictures. And Jeffrey went over to this group of girls and tried asking them who it was or something. And the girl goes, what'd she say, Yao Me? And She's like, Yang Me. And Jeff was like, who's that? And they looked at him like he was crazy and like... Okay, hold on, hold on just a second. We actually have the audio of this because I was recording on my phone secretly when I walked over there so that we could be able to Google the person they were saying because I figured I wasn't going to catch it right away. So this is this is what happened. Excuse me. Who, who is that? Who? Yang Mi. She's the actress? Yeah. Actress, okay. Thank you. So like seriously, they looked at me. It was like it was like somebody saying Tom Cruise or something. I'm like, who's that? They're like, young me. You know what I mean? They were they were looking at me like I was absolutely insane. Yeah, it was funny. I also think it's funny that you know we we like never run into any famous people back here, but then we go to China and then just happen to bump into this actress who's like. One of the most famous actresses in China. I know. We'll like go to L.A. or we've been in Vegas, and there's always these celeb spottings, and you're always like, "Oh my God! Like I just want to see somebody famous. How can we never see anybody famous?" You're just always like hoping to meet somebody or see somebody, and like we never do. Yeah, well, we did see Zed in the airport in Dallas, so. That's true. I gave him a shout out. I don't know if he ranks up there with Yao Ming, but you know. Oh, Yang Ming. I can't say it the right way. Yao Ming. That would be cool if we saw Yao Ming as well. <laughs> no, but seriously though, that so we we had to go all the way to China to see a major movie star, and it was somebody we didn't even know who who it was. And you know what's funny? I always say I always say to Sarah like she's always like, oh, I wish I could meet this person, or I wish I could see this person. And I'm like, oh, really? What would you say to them if you if you saw them? And you say nothing, <laughs> because you're too shy. So she wouldn't actually say anything. She just wants to like have the opportunity to say something to them, you know? Yeah, that sums it up. I'm not on their level. Like, what would I talk to them about that like we could relate to? Just say I'm a huge fan of your work. I really respect your work. You know, um, you you bring me a lot of joy, you know, or, or whatever, by, through your music, or that's what I would say. I asked Jeff Gordon once, um, well, one of the questions on my 12 questions a few years ago was, what's, like, a, a, the right thing to say to you to, to make an impression on you? And a lot of times, drivers said, you know, we meet so many people that, that you can't, but Jeff Gordon's answer was he, that he would want people to come up to him and just say, hey, you know, I really appreciate what you've done. I respect you. Um, you know, don't flip out or fan out on somebody. No, I, I no, it's not me like flipping out. I mean, earlier, I, you know, a couple months ago, I was like inches away from Martin Garrix, and I just stood there like a statue. I didn't like freak out, but I don't know what I would say to him. I'm just saying, don't get all giddy. They don't. They, you know, the celebs, they're they're normal people, so they don't want people who are gonna, you know, 
What? I'm not normal. No, you're not normal. <laughs> anyway, well, Sarah, thank you for um, for joining me on this special edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I guess it can be just the Untitled Gluck Podcast for this episode. I, I'm very thankful to the, the people that have contributed and allowed us to to do this. Um, is there anything you want to say to the people who are letting us um, pay the rent? Yeah, just thank you. I, you know, I was worried when Jeffrey left his job that, you know, it was just going to be a total failure and we were going to be, like, homeless or, you know, I I figured his website, your your web, website would work, but I didn't feel like it would be successful as fast as it has. So, but the amount of support um, that Jeffrey's received um, has just been incredible, and we're very, very grateful for it. And yeah, thank you. I actually want to thank some people right now. As, as you know, one of the tiers, Sarah, on my on my um, Patreon page is you get a shout-out on the podcast. And so I don't want to do it everybody all at once because then it'll be totally diluted. So um, I think I might just do like 10 people an episode or something like that just to just to give them sort of their own special shout-out. So um, I, want to, I want to thank some people really quick. I want to thank, in no particular order, this is not in order of um, how somebody signed up or you know, what level they're at. I just want to, I just picked random people for this first one. I want to thank Emily Ellis. Thank you so much, Emily. Andrew Headley. Um, Robert Keplinger. Matt Truskowski. The Twitter man known as Turbo Junker. The, another uh, Twitter man known as Annoying Race Fan. We have Cindy Farr. Thank you, Cindy. Chris and Aaron Martin, um, who have been very kind to me. They live in Southern California. Submarine Mike, you may know him from Dirty Mo Radio, and his wife Cheryl, and Peggy Long, who I love seeing at Tweet Ups. Um, so many awesome people. Those are just ten of them, and, and I just really appreciate that. So yeah, Sarah, um, any final thoughts? Um, um, you're stuck with me after the Phoenix test until after Valentine's Day. I never get to um, be with you for Valentine's Day, so we'll do that. And then I will um, get out of your hair and go to Daytona. And um, so any final thoughts on the, the upcoming NASCAR season or anything like that as far as are you look more looking forward to this year with this new crazy adventure that we're on? Yeah, I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I feel like, at least on my end, there's a lot of unknown uh, for what I'm done with my internship. But it's a relief to know that wherever I get a job at that you won't have to stress about if you're allowed to move or not and you could just come with me. So that's a big relief off my shoulders, I feel like. Oh, one more thing. A lot of people ask me, you know, where do you think you'll end up? And um, I really don't know. I don't want to slam any places, but there's children's hospitals everywhere, and some cities are better than others. Do, do I uh, – how much input do I get in whether and where we, where we end up? None. <laughs> All right, Omaha, Des Moines, we're coming for you. I just have to go where I get a job at. So if that's in the middle of no man's land, then. Yep. No, I know. I I'm I'm on board with that. I hear you. I'm wherever you get a job, wherever the first offer is. Hey, I need I need your I need to get on your health insurance. Yeah. But maybe we'll 
maybe it won't be in the middle of nowhere. Maybe it'll be like some huge city that you get offered or something, you know? Yeah, that would be nice for sure. At this point, I'll just be happy to get a job after my internship, so that'll be good enough for me. Yeah, me too. I hear you. Well, uh, again, thank you, everybody. Thank you and Shroud for letting me mess around with the music, and we will talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast. See everybody. Thank you.